This episode was recorded before COVID-19 reframed every conversation about anything. It's a discussion with Alex Kazemi, someone I've known online for close to a decade. He's always been a sort of histrionic funhouse mirror of online celebrity culture, a Gen Z millennial cusper infatuated with Gen X, an extremely online trickster figure who professionalized sliding into DMs before there even were DMs. He's always been a polarizing figure, and this has continued with his recent book, Pop Magic, A Simple Guide to Bending Your Reality, which aims to bring the head shop slash bookstore 90s occult anarchism wave to today's young adults. When this episode was available only to our Patreon members, it caused a bit of a stir on our Discord channel. A serious scholar of Gnosticism felt Alex was taking something sacred and applying it loosely to superficial, self-serving ends. Materialists were discouraged we even engaged with a topic of magic whatsoever, considering it anti-science, a slippery slope to anti-vaxxing or the magical thinking of outright fascism. One's belief or disbelief in magic became our own version of the much chagrined arguing online with atheists about God. Most recently, Alex has become the target of QAnon followers who believe his book is the gateway for our innocent children being exposed to the sort of satanic, cannibalistic practices hiding behind the so-called art of Marina Abramovich's spirit cooking. Alex also stirred outrage for successfully self-launching a media campaign around his coming out as something called demisexual. But as he wrote to me a few days ago responding to the COVID-19 situation, Magic is relevant to life being out of control. Whether it's relevant in terms of gaining control or losing it, I'm not sure. But there's a lot of paradoxes flying around Alex Kazemi. Some will find this conversation interesting, others infuriating, but all should find it entertaining. And perhaps this, ultimately, is Alex Kazemi's greatest magic trick. Enjoy. Welcome to the New Models Podcast. I'm very excited about this guest because I've known this guest since he was a young boy exploring the darkest corners of the wild World Wide Web. How old were you, Alex Kazemi, our guest, when I met you, 17? Um, I was 16. 16. <laughs> wow. This was during, I mean, it might have even been pre-C-Punk. It was witch house kind of days. You were at Super Super, weren't you? Yeah, I was at Super Super. I harassed them for a job, as I do. And um, I, yeah, that was that was around the time that we met. It was actually around when the C-Punk Facebook group. Ah, there we go. Okay. That's, I mean, the things Alex has seen. It's like, I feel like I'm reminded of that Blade Runner scene where he's like <laughs> talking about seeing um, transport ships burning off of the... Shores of Orion or something. <laughs> but Alex, from a very young age, has seen niche cultures come and go in fiery blasts of um, shattered MySpace profiles. 
But, but now, now he's the author of a new book. Yes. And it's called Pop Magic. I, I feel like we live in an era where there's not like one fixed reality anymore in which like the media and TV create famous people or celebrities. And that's just what we know from like reading The Face or watching MTV. It's like there's these TikTok realities. There's these YouTube realities. Like you could walk down the street and talk to someone and be like, do you, do you know who this famous YouTuber is who has 4 million followers? And they'd be like, no. Yeah, YouTubers especially. That was like a generation gap being rendered like extraordinarily clear for me. Isn't that the most like wanted profession? I always feel like there's these these quizzes that I read where like 10 year olds, they say that they, they all want to be YouTubers much more than like astronauts or anything at this point. Or which movie is, stars like, or something. No, not movie yeah. stars. Yeah, YouTubers, yeah. which is like, yeah, that is like a very... Big, big culture uh, clash. There's going to be a lot of YouTubers with channels talking about their lives taking care of elderly baby boomers. <laughs> like nurse nurse yeah, tube yeah. is going to be huge. No, I, I agree with you. And I think like also like being an influencer and a YouTuber is kind of seen as like the highest pedestal of fame in the mainstream culture right now. Like, And it's so interesting because it kind of makes me wonder, are these people offering anything to our culture that is positive or, or moving us forward or the people who love them just want to be hot and cool? Is Goop positive though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is kind of an interesting question. And I guess, I mean, there's people who work in areas that seem like they're doing something positive, but whether they are is a bit questionable. Carly, you have a question and I remember there was some more background I wanted too, but Carly. I feel from reading the notes you sent us that your book came from a place, like a path through the internet, a, a different internet than we maybe have now. So I want to understand really who you were in the mid 2000s, late 2000s. Like, do you want to just give us a little... Yeah, we need that origin story. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's super, that's super cool. Um, I started out writing for like Super Super Magazine because I saw them as uh, something that was capturing a zeitgeist and subcultures. And at that point, at a young age, I was observing the trends and watching things change, you know, from Cobra Snake to Sea Punk. I was watching um, <laughs> subcultures evolve. But give us, I, the, give us the stats, Alex. You Didn't you get a, a Britney Spears interview on your blog spot when you were no, 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 no. I did, I, I did, I, I did like, I did, okay. So the hustle started when I started to do like album reviews and interviewing pop stars for music blog in the late 2000s. So I started to blog and I started to build relationships with publicists and ah, I so wanted you were to like be, 16 emailing publicists. Yeah. Like you probably figured younger. out that hustle. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. So I was around and also what kind of started was I was an editor with Kristen Prim at Prim Magazine, and she was considered the world's youngest fashion editor at that time. And how old was she? I was 15 and she was 16. Oh, okay. But this is also like the time of Tavi and like this. Yes, right? it was. That's, yeah. yeah. Kelly Catron was inviting me to fashion shows at that time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is like really proto, like or you were like on in some patient zero shit of teen influencers and <laughs> internet culture kingpins with like much more, uh, but I mean, the platforms at that time were different too. It was all happening on what Blogspot? Was Tumblr even there? Like no, no, no. It was Blogspot, and it was also like fashion websites, like fashionista.com, right. fashionindie.com. There wasn't that many people in it yet. I was observing the way young pop stars 
who were around my age, like Charlie XCX, Sky Ferreira, were using MySpace and Twitter and the internet to network and to create like a hustle for their careers. And um, I kind of watched them be really, like Charlie was just on MySpace at the time. And I watched them be really ambitious and aggressive and ask for things that they wanted. And I was really inspired by that. I was really targeted and obsessed with Super Super. And I was like, I need to be a part of this magazine. Like this is going to be it. Like in my heart and soul, like I know that they will make me a music editor and I will be able to take what I'm doing on blogs to the next level, you know? But I had learned how to hustle like that through watching these pop girls on MySpace. (laughs) So wait, how did did you you just ask like would you say like you need to give me the job oh like, like it was like madonna courtney love level crazy like i would send <laughs> them like 17 emails like you need like you need to work with me like i have such an insight in pop culture i don't even know if at that time i knew what i was really saying i just felt just like so ambitious and like so driven and that's why i was so excited when i did it actually created an entire new world for me it was like a portal I think a lot of that time subconsciously, even up to working at King Kong, was driven by approval addiction and validation addiction. And I think that's why I threw myself in the fashion and publishing industry was because a lot of it was driven by ego and wanting to feel good enough and wanting to be validated. But I mean, you you figured out some sort of method of internet magic, though, to get the writing or editorial positions you wanted to it seems how did you meet Brett Easton Ellis like yeah that I guess that was kind of magic also I had uh, my first book deal came out and he had heard about it it's auto fiction is it auto fiction or is it just uh fiction no fiction? it's it's fiction it's like but it's, it's like- not about you I think at the time it was when I was a teenager and started writing about it, it was about versions of me. And now that I'm older, it freaks me out to look back at that, to really dark shit that I was writing. That was an expression of my psyche. So that's kind of cool what age does. You get more perspective. Yes. But I remember there was a time in the past couple of years where, Alex, you kind of got swept up in like the emerging at the time intellectual dark web progressive backlash pundits. I think what's interesting to me, though, is what is the thought process of getting into that and then getting out of it? Yeah, I would love to go into that. Um, So, you know, when you're around, I guess like most people have like a political awakening, you know, their idealistic time. They wake up outside of the suburbs, you know, life becomes more than just 7-Eleven and, you know, (laughs) what girl you're going to date or, you know, these like little suburban things that create your kind of world. And I was about like 19 years old and I was like in Vancouver, like out of the suburbs in the city trying to make friends. And what was really cool was, you know, being a social justice warrior. And I was completely confused by this dialect because I was not a part of the collective consciousness that they were a part of. And I found myself being kind of ostracized in in that I would have opinions and people would call me really gross things that weren't true. And I, I I felt so much resentment and anger of not being able to have a free cultural discourse without being censored. And I was having my own intellectual awakening at that time. I mean, I was like, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of discourse. I want to hear what the serial killer has to say and observe and listen and, and, and that kind of stuff. And, 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 and just thinking of the right people have to say the things that they want to say. And to find solace in that, I wanted to see like, hey, is there people like who are also counterattacking this? And but, there you wait, go. Before, then I, we, before we get in that, was there like a particular thing that happened to you that made you really angry? Like, 
We don't have to name names or something, but it's like, was there a a time, something that pushed you over the edge or something that really like made you really upset and like angry about what you saw in like the more progressive side of uh, young people's political culture. Or like stop believing in their game. Like something that just made you feel like, fuck that. Like I don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had my, you know, Regina George running to the burn book kind of revenge feeling, of course. So the kind of how that happened was people posted my texts to the internet um, in which I was. Yeah. Text messages, my personal text messages to Tumblr. And these, these were people I thought were my friends. And they're like, look at Alex Kazemi's opinion. Like, look, he, he's a bad person. And I was like, I thought we were friends. I thought we were having a private conversation on text and you're lynching me. Like, Ooh, yeah. and I was very like, you know, very like Fiona Apple victim energy, like 19 <laughs> years old, like the world <laughs> is bullshit nihilism, like full on, like, like apathetic, like you're hurting me vibe. You know, I, I was like, you know, very, and I was like, I'm depressed. Why would you do this to me? You know, I was very hurt. Like, like I ended up vibrationally matching with darker things because I was in a dark place. And I fully actually, in retrospect, apply that to magic also. Like that was a kind of dark magic time in my life when I fell down that rabbit hole for sure. And then how did you snap out of it? I mean, you kind of got into this right wing, more conservative, but I mean, how did you end up getting away from that out of of that world? Yeah. Do you, I mean, if you consider it that way, I mean, did you feel like you were actually programmed once you were in there? Like once you're immersed in that place, did you, when you got out of it, did you feel like brainwashed or something? Well, I actually remember an experience with you. You kind of said something to me like, you're creating this like virtual outrage and cognitive bias over things that aren't really affecting your life. And the way that I got out of it was realizing that it was just a virtual reality that I was plugging into. It was a VR headset. And even when I would email Brett and he would read my monologues out on his podcast, we were both feeding into their reaction. And I felt so exhausted at one point. I was like, this isn't making sense. So you know what? I opt out. I'm basically (laughs) getting triggered over them getting triggered. I'm wasting my fucking time. I have like book deals to finish. Like what the fuck am I doing? Like hours of my life going towards what I believe in intellectually stimulating me, but it's all it is, is keeping me in this like VR headset of identity politics. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I thought of like, actually something that got me out of it was like, I was like, okay, think of all your icons. They would need self-discipline, willpower, focus, you know, no distractions to finish the things that they did. This is just a fucking clusterfuck of distraction and like get it away from you. I think what made me so reactionary is that I was feeling the imprisonment of dogma yeah. with the liberals. And, and the way I also got out of it was I was like, you know, if people are fucking dumb enough to think that if I even talk to some of these people, they're going to think I'm some fucking Nazi. Well, you know what? Maybe I should opt out because the consciousness of the masses is so low that I don't also want to be viewed as a Nazi or something when those are not my views. In the book, you, you speak a lot about magic. You also give some advice. For me reading it, the voice is very much directed at young people, I think. Teenagers, early 20s. And I think what's interesting is you don't really use social media at all. Your Instagram is managed by, like, it's pictures of you from, like, 
paparazzi like it's all managed as if you were a superstar or billionaire or something yeah, which is great yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. but um you also you, you try to guide young people away from both the tactics of w- what you call like sjw's but you also guide them in a way that doesn't push them towards right-wing politics i mean what's your working strategy for guiding kids out of both of these traps of online politics where are you guiding them towards instead well, think before you click is a huge one. You know, that's valuable emotion and energy that you're using. And I would uh, encourage you to transmute that energy and redirect it and do something positive and productive because you're just going to be left with feeds and artifacts of temporary times in your life and temporary feelings. You know, I felt so grossed out when I turned 25 and I was like, that's kind of gross that I would tweet out all of my teen depression thoughts. And I kind of would expose such vulnerable parts of myself to the internet. And, and, and when you get older, you're like, that's weird. You know, that should have happened in private. And I kind of felt like, I feel like privacy is such a huge value to me. And um, I would hope that young people would try to think of leading more private lives because everyone today is a celebrity. What's magic? Why do you keep talking about magic? I define magic as the science, art, and practice of bending reality in accordance with your true will. And magic is the science, art, and practice of accessing your divine will to bring order to chaos. Okay. When I was reading through your notes, the framework for me that was maybe most useful or interesting was your relationship that you draw between magic and attention. And if anyone's been to like a five-year-old's birthday party, you know when the magician does sleight of hand, it's all about channeling your attention towards a certain point of distraction. And so I wondered when you when you make this relationship between magic and attention, how how do you I mean there's so many connections that can be made. How did you how did you arrive at that connection? Like where where do you see the conduit between attention and the kind of magic that you're speaking about? Well, I think a lot of people um, today are, are searching for attention and energy that they want to hold hostage from other people and external sources. And, and I, I view attention like likes and instant gratification as like a form of external light. And I guess the other way to connect magic and attention is a lot of people could also consider magicians as showmen like Anton LaVey of the Satanic Bible. And, you know, magic and attention exist in a lot of different variables in different well, ways. You bring up two different, when you say that, I hear two different forms of attention. I hear the kind of attention that you say, like, I want attention from the media, which is like an attention that comes to you. But then there's the idea of attention, which is I, as the magician, want to control other people's attention so that something is done. So you see like social media platforms, they want to control or direct attention towards certain things, whether that's the scroll or whether that's TikTok. So there's holding one's attention and then there's garnering attention. And those are two different channels of attention, right? And when I think of magic, I think of it as being a a kind of a combination of the two. Dan Dan is- um, I'm a fedora, sorry. uh, Resident fedora. Sorry, but like- Okay, we're not going to be like, is magic real or not? Obviously, that's not an interesting that's question. That's not a question. But no, that's, I still don't understand why it is a more illuminating way of looking at these phenomena. Why call it magic when that just relegates it Wait. to something that is not understandable through rational means? Why not try that first? And if you can't, but, then well, maybe you chalk yeah, it up. But, but I, don't, I don't get how you're not 
getting this though. Like put science aside, whatever, right? Like I, I read a whole bunch of occult stuff and chaos magic stuff, whatever. But ultimately it's like, okay, you get this system. It talks about entities. It talks about forces. There's some pseudo science around how it might actually work on a quantum level. But the fact is, if you believe in the rituals and you go through the things, you make the sigils, you burn them, you focus your energy, all it ultimately does is what you want to happen, like your will, it puts it in your subconscious so that you end up subconsciously acting towards right. the goals you boom, want anyways. Boom, so that's, that's exactly just, right. See, and that has to be called magic. Because it just helps you believe in it, which okay, helps that, it work. Okay, if you're calling it yourself okay, magic so, or are so we describing about, it like, as a phenomenon as magic? We aren't describing just, it as a phenomenon. Who wants to have that system. conversation? I think we're just thinking of this system as another way to understand how things work online. No, and it's I not, like, mean, not what, an what, scientific basis, but just as a I think you're misunderstanding my point. Of course not. I'm not saying that... That's like you could have the same conversation about why religion. Is it, no, well, why are we talking about it in these terms at all? Why yeah, magic? Why not? Why? But what, what is it about relegating all these things to that word that makes it like, why is that a more interesting way of analyzing it? Or why does that give us well, a more, I a think more deep because sense of I think knowledge? a lot of people in our world today and through the ages have felt powerless. The idea of just hearing the word magic for some people just awakens something spiritual to use your will to change your life and and be self-disciplined and you know i feel like for you you would probably think oh, okay well if someone's like working really hard and hustling and, and getting their goals done that's just practical that's just logic whereas a magical practitioner might say that was because of all the full moon spells that i did that bended my my subconscious and my will to be so star pointed focus on what I want to create and change. So the Madonna example, like she said on MTV, I want to rule the world. And then she did it. I, I think that's a form of magic because if you really believe in yourself and you have an unwavering fire in yourself and belief in yourself and magic helps awaken that, why is that a negative thing? It sounds like yeah. shameless extroversion to me. That doesn't sound like magic. But Dan, it sounds magic, like self-promotion. I don't magic, know. It's not, it's not magical to me. You put it out there. You want it to happen. You make it happen. You're a hustler. I don't know. That's not magic. Uh, you, you believe in yourself. I know. I remember this feeling too. Like the secret is real. I'm not saying it's not real. The law of attraction is real, but it's just there's nothing mystical about it. It's behavioral and social. I think it's and these so dynamics mystical. are okay, but like I just I, yeah. But ma but you're acting like magic was invented in like the 90s or something. <laughs> this is something that's been like it's in the Bible. Like there's like what is thousands like from the of years. Zohar, like, Torah, Kabbalah. But we're still talking yeah. about contemporary Get phenomena around. now with this as the rubric, why? No, we're just talking I'm about- I'm interested in the relationship between attention, energy, and things t transpiring to like concentrate energy towards some kind of change. And, and of course, if we're living in an attention economy, yeah. attention literally has an energy value. It does. And then we can think about it in these well, terms, I mean, and this doesn't make me feel allergic. To the point allergic. of like so a server farm. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel allergic. Sorry, Alex, wait, what? Does he not believe in the astral plane? I don't believe in the astral plane. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into that then. TM. No, I definitely don't. Wait, but I want to. I, I definitely, I definitely think our thoughts have have vibration and energy, and I think um, one of the explanations, kabbalistically, is that we're constantly creating our reality through our thoughts. There and you go. You said the magic word there for Kabbalah, <laughs> Carly. But wait, I wanted to to connect that still though to what Dan just said about how energy really has a material basis, which in a time when we use these, we use, you know, 
computers, phones, whatever, to communicate with each other, there is, of course, a real energy basis of keeping server farms going in order to process these thoughts, right? So there's like a very direct energy corollary to having a thought and sending a thought to a, a thought to another friend. Yes. I mean, and we can talk about it within a materialistic framework, which is super interesting. <laughs> of course, but we have a magician on the line, so <laughs> yeah. we're not. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. I okay, mean, sorry. and I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know. Okay, basically, I started looking at your notes last night, and I got totally derailed by like watching like short YouTube, like everything you need to know about the Kabbalah. Everything I know about the Kabbalah, I learned last night, which means I know nothing. But oh, it was so, awesome. <laughs> it was so striking to me to see how in the Kabbalah, there is this idea of a kind of upside down realm we live in, and then there's a borderline, and then there's this other realm that mirrors ours with all these other higher powers, and how there might be some corollary there to like the screen space and like the well, parallel exactly. world. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, this is this is this is exactly kind of what I wanted to talk about. So I also do believe in the Kabbalah idea that we are in like a lower world and we do need spirituality. We need a spiritual solution. This is why Gnostics and people have searched for an answer other than the material world. You know, I think the material world is a form of suffering and and I think we need to have that belief in something higher than us. I think though the what Carly, I think what you want to get at is, I mean, thinking in terms of analogy, if Kabbalah says there's like this mirror world above us, the internet is like a mirror world below us right. that we're building. Oh, that's but really it's smart. Like yeah. owned. Right. But it's owned it's, by like. Right. It's that's like beautiful. That's really Zuckerberg cool, Carly. people. Yeah. Like um, we're usually like subject to these higher, higher realms. And, you know, we're sort of vassals of these higher realms. But with the internet, it's like we want to be lords of this other space and so we're creating this like extra lower realm this right. dark darker web or something wow Carly you created a new Sephiroth <laughs> oh yeah it's Sephiroth that's cool yeah Sephiroth but I mean Dan think about how the market operates on sentiment yeah. and like emotions and hunches and yes. all of this stuff and like, sex and and sex. <laughs> sure. Yes. But but I mean, right, Matt, like... No. But There's no reason to go there. There's just no reason to go there. Tons of things. I don't believe in any mystical powers of the market. Let me tell there you that. Isn't, <laughs> it's, all, it's all literally like from in a, like this emotional mush of yeah. thought and feeling. Yes, that's, that's interesting. that's like magic. That's but like it's what not. you try to Even harness. Even if you don't believe in astrology, right? If you can organize qualities about yourself into an archetype, like say Aries, well, magic is kind of a way to bring these useful tools to manifest your dream life into one arena. I I personally am total. total I believe in I'm magic, magic personally. personally. There's going to be a, a pretty big split in our audience. I'm sure that there's a yeah yeah there's yeah, a, yeah, yeah yeah it's a controversial subject Cal matter yeah. for the models. Pewter what, what is Dan's sign? Yeah, what's your sign, Dan? I have no idea what my sign is. You're Gemini. When is aren't your you? birthday? I have no idea. I no. thought it was June. I'm not a Gemini. No, I'm a Cancer. You're a Cancer. Cancer. Ah, my brother's oh, a Cancer. That's my sign. Oh, of course you are. Oh, totally. Oh, I thought I knew that. Alex, I knew what are you? I'm a Cancer with Sagittarius Moon, Capricorn Rising. Oh, oh. that's good. Interesting. Okay. A magical Cancer. Magical Cancer. Um, but Cancers wait. are the sign of alchemy. 
Because we're so emotional. What's your thought on CoStar? Are you pro or not? What's um, that? I, I What's CoStar? Alex, Alex as a resident millennial, please tell please tell my co-host what CoStar is. <laughs> CoStar is an app. You can download it to learn about your astrological birth chart, your natal chart, and the daily transit affecting you. And uh, I think the reason CoStar has blown up is because people don't find a spiritual salvation in technology and social media and YouTube stars and feeds and tech, the internet. And I think believing, you know, that you were birthed with certain qualities and powers because of your astrological chart can kind of make you feel more connected to that sense of spirituality. I mean, do, does, do people agree here that there's like an innate desire to connect to something spiritual or do some people not have that? <laughs> You've just hit on like one of the core, I think one of the core, like our core, core points that we, we discuss a lot to hear. But I have a, I have a, I have a topic that brings it into Dan territory. Well, I want to talk about Susan Miller, but that's fine. Let's talk about not. Susan no, Miller. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Let's live. We're done. We can, we can I just think that fine. with astrology, it's like, I, I see so much of the parallel of like you getting into the IDW stuff and wanting this system of, you know, a kind of a simple framework for understanding things that are very, very complex and impossible to understand. True. And then you switch into astrology and yeah, that's definitely more innocuous than racism, but it's still <laughs> the same anti-intellectual tendencies. That is clearly a very big problem in our society right now. And if you are willing to believe in astrology, you're, maybe you're going to question whether or not vaccines are necessary. Maybe you're going to start questioning no, that. I don't and think I'm sorry, but no, 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 I do think no, there's no, a no, no, there, I don't agree proven, with that. Okay, and I can tell you this as somebody who believes in a lot of conspiracy theories, as you know, <laughs> that's also true. There's yeah. So I can speak from some here. Like if you believe in one conspiracy theory, it makes it a lot easier to believe more. That is a common thing. You think about the, the number of Trump supporters who are anti-vaxxers. There's a big overlap. And that's because if you start just not believing that okay. there are facts. So that we're an equal playing field. What is your most woo-woo conspiracy that you like secretly actually believed in? Well, I don't know about woo-woo. Okay, not woo-woo because you don't because you believe it. So what, what do you oh think? Oh my god, is, that term is so nineties. I am so nineties. I hate to say they're all pretty like geopolitical to be honest. So they're not that. Okay, like, what would you say is I like, think that aliens. I think there's a decent chance that aliens are real and have come here but yeah, I, of course they're real scientific. <laughs> well that's why i believe it now i don't believe in Julian, conspiracies without you? evidence okay, okay. So you need like evidence and proof for everything for your own thoughts to be real is what you're saying you need like i need evidence, evidence. to confirm hunches i have because that's how you determine truth <laughs> oh. no like i don't yes. fuck with that I like, I'm okay. way, I, yeah. I forgot i'm i forgot that our co-host was an atheist i'm a full-on atheist yeah i'm actually just an atheist i'm not even agnostic no i'm an atheist i'm a fedora but i'm not wearing a fedora right now but i may as well be he's wearing a bridgestone golf but, hat but, yeah, but, wearing but, a golf but, hat but like wait fedora. carly what you were going to say something but i also no, i want to talk go about go ahead say it I want to talk about 2016 meme magic yeah, Keck for Chan. The yeah. last time magic was actually in kind of the pop culture consciousness yeah. um, and in this kind of non-goop way, where are the overlaps between memes and magic, Alex? And do you know anything about that time? Were you yeah, around? Were you so, paying attention? And then yeah, Dan, so, what's your a fedora take on it? I mean, I was inter- yeah. I mean, I definitely was interested in meme magic too. So sure, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, correct. Okay, Alex. <laughs> correct. Okay, okay. So if magic is real, which I believe it is, I think when people are collectively focusing on an energy or an archetype like Keck, who is the god of chaos or whatever, worship. There's two theories. There's like the metaphysical theory that Keck is one of the reasons that people trolled and used the unseen powerful forces of magic to get Trump into office. And then 
there's the other theory that these kids are just assholes and will look for any type of template of black memes magic. Memes and sigils. Or, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, it's Similarities. a sigil. Yeah, no, well, sigils, sigils and memes are very similar because they elicit a certain reaction in you and that's a certain energy. When I was a teenager, I wanted to buy Axe because I saw hot girls <laughs> like liked the guys on Axe commercials. And I feel like that was a form of magic on me because it exploited like a teen boy vulnerability in me and a type of energy. And I think that sort of like what sigils do and corporations, they want you to buy things and they use sex and other things to sell them. And you're selling energy also. I mean, that is an interesting path that I think I've recognized before. Basically what the occult, I guess, because Crowley came about around the same time as like public relations mm, came, came out, right? And it's almost like, advertising kind of used occult methods and now it's almost like looking at magic if you knew nothing about it looking at sigil magic it's kind of taking the the tools of advertising and applying it to yourself like basically making ads for yourself to be the you that you want to sell to <laughs> wow. yourself wow. That's that yeah. Yeah. it does kind of work that way i think dan as all atheists do they have serious semantic issues with words like magic and god but when you actually break it down it's like well no i just like yeah why use those words then? what words well, would you why, use why why they're beautiful words yeah why, psychology yeah, i agree with alex they're beautiful words magic is a beautiful <laughs> like why say of like un- unknown just, unknown spooky quantum okay, phenomenon we're, we're instead of we're all yelling too much, I have to say, as far as just for the, I have for the recording. on. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that they're not, it's not clipped. Great. Um, I, again, I just don't know why, what we gain from talking about it in this way, as opposed to trying to understand it on a like more specific, I think, I think le- because level. people, some people, maybe you don't have it, but some people are driven towards the idea of a mystical feeling towards that, you know, like also I was very cynical about magic in the beginning too. I was like, what is this comic con nerd type fucking dungeon and dragons type shit? Like I would never, these people are losers, you know, that it, like, I had know. a wicked phase when I was 11. Actually, I'll admit, I'll admit to it. I did spells. I, uh, I had a whole herb collection. I have a, I have a whole, I have a spell book that my mom actually like bound for me. It has like, it's like a leather embossed pentagram and an ankh on the side, but <laughs> Nevertheless, wow, great. No it's way. such a good book. I love wow. it, but it's empty. I didn't really write any spells, unfortunately. Wow. So let me tell I you, I did experiment with it. I'm not just coming from some, <laughs> I mean, it was a very, this was a, this was a big aberration for me because I was like a total fedora as a baby as well, like literally. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So Are you like a hipster runoff type person? No. I've, been, I've been photographed by Cobra Snake. Everyone has. Oh, that's dark. Exactly. That's dark. This is like some Corey Kennedy type shit. Oh, right. Corey Kennedy. Right. But Cobra Speak now is just like a personal trainer. But why do you think magic? Because I mean, so we spoke to Peter Schoolworth, who's a painter who used to run this goth party in New York called Weird. And he was part of the psychic TV wave of magic and this sort of Canberra faller zone of like the occult and esoterica. I love Canberra. She's so sick. She's so sick. And like there was a there was like a real pop attraction to it in the 90s. And I don't know, there's just like an, a, an affect that 
was pro magic CK. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But then, like in the two thousands, it just sort of faded. And I wonder when did the craft come out? Because honestly, that was a high water. That was ninety five. That was a that very was a high, much water. Like high water mark. And there was another yeah. one that came out a few years after well, that. Maybe it was ninety ninety six. My wiki phase was. I think it was 98, so it was definitely when like an 11-year-old would have caught on to whatever <laughs> was trendy right. a couple of years but before. But for some reason, and I wonder, it's sort of with the rise of Web 2, like the rise of it, 2004, 5, 6, 7, the rise of like nice neutral colors, and I always talk about rounded serifs as opposed to the like pointy-edged, like more kind of like goth aesthetics. All like, lowercase, yeah. like, lowercase high with a period at the end. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hi, and, and I, like a lowercase i written in like, 5,000 point font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was a sense of like, we're soft and nice and kind and and you can leave your laptop in the middle of this co-working space and nobody will steal it. And coffee's free, so is the kombucha. And like this false feeling of friendship and everything. Sounds safe like very Stepford. Very Stepford, right? It was like our workplaces, sans serif, there's no thorns, nothing, nothing dies. Everything has to be, has to be kept alive. Life extension research peaks. I mean, you know, there's this feeling in the 2000s where like the occult doesn't exist. And do you have any thoughts or any research on the like pop cultural affinity for cult and magic practice in the 2000s, why it might've dipped and why it started to see a resurgence around 2016? But which house? Yeah, witch um, true, but witch house isn't really witchy. I mean, it's it's witch pookie sounding. No, it's not. It was a lot of there's a lot of sigils. People were reading people Peter were Carroll. No, people were reading Peter Carroll. I was I was also making scene. a lot of I was making a lot of like mystical symbol art with Nick back then. 2008. 2000. I feel like that was a micro. This is all about magic and aesthetics. Like, like this is about obelisks. this is about you know definitely like which is what I talk about in the book. I think. I think the reason, may, well, I mean, obviously the early 2000s were kind of hedonistic. And I think there was, I mean, no, actually there was magic. There was Kabbalah in the early 2000s. There was Everyone Kabbalah, was doing magic. But it was this like celeb Kabbalah, right? It was like yeah. Madonna with like the red, the red like string. the red string. Yeah, I wear my red string every day. I mean, that's great, but it wasn't a kind of private secret practice. It was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, like public I mean, Kabbalah. I think which is, people have been practicing it throughout the ages, you yeah. know, since. BBS systems, you know, old message boards, you know, like there's always been magic on the internet and in our culture. And, you know, there's always, you know, at the grocery store, that one flyer that maybe there's (laughs) one occult kid was into, you know, like there's always going to be dips of it. I think the reason it came back into pop culture was probably through astrology, through Azalea Banks talking about it in the media uh, when she sacrificed the chickens. I think that was (laughs) (laughs) for magic culture. I mean, obviously fucking 90s nostalgia, BuzzFeed nostalgia, people, oh my God, Nancy Downs in the craft, you know, Rose McGowan in Charmed. There was the nostalgia for this romanticized idea that practicing magic might make you more connected to the ethos of the late 90s or make you more connected to that nostalgic feeling of that so gone time. I think it disappeared from the mainstream in the early 2000s. Probably, I mean, Manson stopped talking about magic in the early 2000s also. He kind of really talked about it in the late 90s only. So I I don't really know why. I mean, I I would say it's the hedonism stuff. I mean, I think though, the reason it's like coming back now though, 
is like partly just driven by precarity. Like there's an explosion of self-help, get motivated, change your life shit right now. And certain people are drawn to magic and the occult. Very true. Like, That's very, very true. So I think maybe the intention for people to get into magic actually is, I mean, the, the airport, every time you're in the airport now and you win the bookstore, it's like how to not give a fuck. And yeah. it's like, it's like the number one bestseller. And like, just like, you know, like, they yeah, fuck yeah, procrastination, so like all this shit. But magic, like it fits into people are searching for something. I no, mean, the good thing about it though is that I, in the occult practice, and I always remember my favorite thing about Alistair Crowley was, you know, he always said that lust of result, like you'll never get what you want if you lust after the result. If you lust after the thing you're desiring, you'll never get it. It has to come from just focus on the process and path of getting there and never lust after the result. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think you're right because religion is gone. There's a sense of uh, this is kind of difficult for me because I'm not saying I find myself returning to a kind of dogma after getting rid of dogma. But I think that there is this innate desire for order and and values and well, and not just it's running also around about focus though right i mean when you're multitasking all day long pulled it in a hundred different directions like having some ritual having some ritual of focus whether it's meditation or whether it's magic of course that's going to be like extremely uh, valuable right now. <laughs> I think of these moleskin calendars that people make themselves. So you buy this like leather book and it's like, right. you know, 400 was, pages or that something. That was a magic ritual that worked for you. <laughs> Shut the fuck it's up. It's moleskin. <laughs> no. And you know, they give you all this literature. Do you know what I'm talking about, Alex? These like moleskin. Yeah, yeah, I love right? moleskin. Right, but they, so they have the ones that just have the dots and there's a whole culture around making your own calendar. And when I first decided to Explain go, it more though. You have to like, I will. I will. Hold on. Hold on. When I first started, when I first like left having a full-time job and decided to do freelance and do new models, it was really overwhelming how to organize your day, how to, you know, how to prioritize where your attention goes. And, and I was looking on, looking for calendars and, and, and and there's all these YouTubers who are blogging about making their calendars. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, but there's this mindfulness practice that people tie to their calendars and they just give you these empty books with dots and it's up to you to make your own order right like you you first you need to order your world only then can you live in it intentionally and I mean there's a lot of really cheesy philosophy around this but I will say that I got one of these and it did help because it's this mindfulness practice around organizing your energy and organizing your attention that is like, there's, there's, there's no direction for it. I mean, if we think about the history of time, like kept time, um, yes, there's a sundial, but it goes back to uh, when we think of like wage work and it being based on the hour, it was because the monks in the monasteries uh, and the nuns, they would pray according to a certain schedule and they would pray for 45 minutes here. Then they'd take a break for so long. Then they'd have a meditation period. Then they'd eat. And this was all on a very, very careful schedule so that all of their prayer energy or all of their communal energy, even if they were eating in silence, was organized according to the same beat, right? So that they were sort of syncing their bodies, syncing their rhythms. It's very fascinating. But of course, because the bell is loud, it organized the entire town. So the town started using that as well. So the monasteries were saying, we wake up at four, we meditate, we meet for at five to pray, etc. But the town would start to organize itself, mirroring the, the monastery. And so the monastery was important 
as this spiritual, but also this rhythmic pulse that kept everybody's energy organized and in sync. And something, I mean, you know, say what you will about TV. I remember like, all, you know, I am like a teenager of the 90s, like bashing your TV was really cool because you saw it as this control device. But TV, because it had morning news and evening news and had like, you know, sh- like fun shows at wow. 8 p.m. Or yeah, yeah. Whatever, Saturday Night Live back a million years ago when people would watch it, it organized people's schedules. And we don't have any force like that. And when you think of like, wow, the, you know, wow. the, the Instagram timeline even being non-chronological, it used to be that like I would see a sunset and I'd post it and everybody else in my city who saw that sunset would also post it. And you'd scroll, you'd have this collective sense of time. And that's very helpful. And I don't know if we want to tie this to magic or not or focused energy. Wow, but wow. I think maybe there is something to this. And we're all struggling now with how to sync our schedules, how to sync our energy. And instead, we're just grasping at like little little moments of micro celebrity or I don't know, to, to anchor yeah, us. Yeah, wow, wow. That's Amen. so beautiful the way you just said all that. Because, Carly is a beautiful person. Yeah, that, that was... That was so beautiful because, you know, you kind of put put magic into the terms of how to bring order to chaos. And you kind of got me thinking that maybe the higher ups and people in power want us to be in this nonlinear chaos and don't want us to have that I schedule. Mean, magic is an obvious response yeah. to digital determinism, too. It's taking back agency for oneself over any other Absolutely. real science, numerical, metric factor, right? Right. I mean, yeah, so, it's, I'm sorry, yeah, putting response. scare quotes on real science doesn't make it less real, but okay, Julian. <laughs> science gets changed. Science is only real so at a period of time. They're always changing what they think is real. It's that's, true. That is a very Pluto bad criticism of science. Is that's, the, that's the best thing about science is that they're always changing what they think is true. But what do you Reality think about that, like, about that idea of like sinking? Of that I think times. is really, that's yeah. interesting. I just don't think that there's necessarily anything spiritual about that. I definitely I think, think that's so spiritual. I think I, she just said something so spiritual and beautiful. I mean, I think, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I, that you I, do I, think that. I, <laughs> Thank you, Alex. I think, I think it's I a very think, interesting, I, I think it's very interesting historical long tail analysis as Carly always delivers. And yeah, I think that you can say there's, you know, some, something spiritual there maybe. I, no, I, I don't know I what that even means nice. though. Okay. It's, I think it's really interesting to talk about how those things organize society yeah, and how those yeah. trickle down, but I, I just don't, but I think there's nothing mystical what there. Julian just said that Where's the about, mysticism? And maybe what Alex was also saying is that when we're in a state where all of us are out of sync, maybe that is by design, right? To keep us in a state of distraction, keeps us like connected to certain Market other Market opening hours. I tell you that. That's the, yeah, and it that's also the, yeah. the market is only open from 8.30 till 5 p.m. I think Carly's also talking about an Baker area hours. of control. And I think yeah. magic is also, um, I find that a lot of people who are witches and practice magic have experienced traumas in which things are happening out of their control. And magic is an area of life where they can find control. And I think, you know, what you were saying, Carly, that's an exercise of finding control is looking at time as a way to kind of clay into what you want it, you know, looking at it as to mold time into what you want and being like, you know, at 2 p.m., I'm going to choose what I want rather than this nonlinear time in which I could be thrown into like a bunch of different feeds or black holes or, you know, the internet could take hours of my life or, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you time block that you can, you can manifest so much more in your life because you're, you're living a more intentional life and, and you feel more, more, more of a reward and, and a spirituality to that. I have a very macro thing to say though. Please. 
So for a long time, Western medicine didn't understand how Chinese medicine worked. Once they had like real, once they were really good and they had molecular whatever MC, they could. <laughs> for a long time, hold on, wait, I need to know what this is. For a long time, Western medicine was really skeptical of Chinese medicine. Then when they started actually analyzing the herbs and roots and stuff in Chinese medicine, they found all of these psychoactive and actually effective chemicals they didn't know were there and were useful against the illnesses they were meant to address. In the same way, I think that magic is basically a term people use for psychological phenomenon that psychologists have not been able to put into a science, yes. In the same way that God is a branch word for the reason why crystals grow into orderly, why things, particles tend towards increasing complexity in like wildly yeah. aesthetic manner. They're just terms for things that science or psychology hasn't explained yet. Yeah. Right. And, and some people, because of, I don't know, a punk rock phase, hitting their parents, kitty diddling from a priest. I don't know what. <laughs> hate the words. Like, the magic and God, it just makes them so mad. But that's all it is. It's just these this <laughs> this umbrella terms for things that, like, science hasn't described yet. That's all I have to yeah. say. Dan. No, that, that's, that's very true. And I think... But, and okay, I think, if that's all it is, then sure. But once you start... Being more on the most macro level, sure. You get into anything more micro in there, and you start actually <laughs> using that as an explanation for things. And like even the, you're with the with the Chinese medicine analogy. Whack There's been all sorts for- of studies for decades now on various levels of efficacy in China. Not, al- not to mention all the Chinese scientific studies about Chinese medicine that's going on right wait, now. Wait, wait, Dan, do you believe yeah. in spirits? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think? No. Well, so how could you how could you explain psychics and people who <laughs> and okay. audience? Oh, oh, I, I don't know if we're gonna go. I personally am very skeptical of psychics. Great. I so here we go. But I also gifts. I also, for sure. I mean, I'm if afraid. You don't believe of, in magic. Well, how do you explain angels? I, Sorry, I, just, I, I, I don't. I not, believe in angels. Yeah, I believe I bet, in angels. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, we don't. This, this is we, we've been down this road before. I, the meme, the, the meme I post about angels. I saw your Chad versus angel good. meme was very like good. Do you, want, do you want to describe it? It's very oh, yeah, funny. Th- so there was like a Chad versus virgin meme, and the virgin was the Western angel, and it's just like the virgin character dressed as an angel, and he's like, the wings are too small to fly, blah blah blah, and then the soft b- body, soft body, blah blah. Blah, we, and then the the biblical angel is just like a ring of eyes that you can't make eye contact with and moves like a UFO. And okay, that would <laughs> I'd be way more oh, into seeing that. That's so. I feel like it must be like I like I feel like I appreciate Dan's opinions and his skepticisms because I'm like advocating for people to be honest and share their skepticisms and all that stuff. But I don't think people are so stupid that they would practice magic and witchcraft and utilize the powers of nature if it wasn't real in, in some sort of way. Well, it, you mean, it's so and the problem is with the word real. The thing is, is that plenty of people get results from it. it works, that's what I'm saying. Right, that's what I'm saying. Right. And that's what Grant Morrison said is like, who gives a fuck how it works? Just right. do it. Actually, and this goes back though to something Grant Morrison. I, I don't know. Maybe we we don't need to open an, another. Yeah, I mean, hole I will, there's something about the like who cares about how it works. I mean, I think there's right. something there, and it's also what you said about like science that hasn't been explained yet. There's techna and there's epistema, and right. often techna comes first. You can make something work. You don't understand exactly how it works, 
but there is an explanation for how it works right. there. And then the epistema comes afterwards. Right. So sure. But again, that is like not a mystical way of thinking of things. And you but, don't need but what, to have but that. But what you're saying is just an opinion. Then and mystical becomes just another problem word. It, it is a problem just, word. But it's... Uh, I think, I mean, the way, I mean, but again, maybe this isn't the most I don't think mystical is a problem word at all. No, we don't... I don't think I guess, do. I guess the only way, the, way, the thing to just sort of, uh, I don't know, yeah, move on bridge, from it, br- bridge the bridge yeah, or whatever, yes. is just to say that like, I think a good working definition for, for magic or for spiritual or whatever, and this is the conclusion that we came to in a previous cast, yeah. was it's allowing a little space for the unexplained and chaos, right? It's allowing, it's saying that there's going to be stuff that's going to happen that doesn't have a, an explanation yet, but we still acknowledge that it's happening in some form. And I think that's but like- But could it also be as simple as like- the drawn to certain things like some people like vanilla some people like chocolate some people are spiritual some people aren't (laughs) i think so it could be yeah it could be because it seems like dan will never be like a spiritual person but you're spiritual in your own way though i mean you go into nature and you also appreciate their higher powers in a different sense you i mean i care about i'm not a a nihilist hedonist or i don't know whatever that means but no i just don't i don't find any this is why Camille Polly hates to think of things in that way. I can only find some type of release in trying to fully understand things and be able to like comprehend it on a rational level because that's just how my like it's the only way that okay, I can but but who is to say one is one is good or bad? Like that might be your experience of things, and I might have more uh, woo woo mystical <laughs> magical type of mind or consciousness that I'm drawn to, and maybe you're more fact and logic based and like, I mean, I probably am not, but I would like I I, I strive towards that. That's uh-huh, all I'm saying. Right. I'm I'm just as emotional Wait, you, and flawed you as everybody else. Innately. I'm just saying that I don't think that's something to aspire to. What, what about magic in the 2020 election? Do yeah, we, how we can magic it? help yeah. Bernie? How can magic help Bernie? <laughs> I mean, it would it would. I feel like there's going to be a magical war this year, like between the right <laughs> and the and like it's going to be kind of. What does like that look like? What is what do you how do you something. see that? coming together. It's going to be like a Disney movie. Like, I think there's going to be, um, there's going to be an energy and an t- intention and a group consciousness and a collective consciousness and people who want Trump to win again and whatever liberal candidates anyone wants, you know, there's going to be a- another opposition of energy and a war and who's to decide what will happen, you know, whatever energies everyone is putting out, you know, Lana Del Rey participated in a spell to hex Trump or bind him or something like that. Um, Witches have done that. uh, But I don't really believe in banishing or binding because I don't want to force more negative energy towards something because that makes it more powerful. But I think we're going to see people trying to do magic for the end result that they want. Yeah, I think it's going to be a war. I... I want to, um, cause we were at our episode length, but I want to end with it. Can we do a speed round? Carly, did you have something? Well, I was just going to ask, but I mean, I don't want to really open up the I really want to end with a speed round. So please. Okay. Well, maybe it's her. I was going to ask if then what he thought about the Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber documentaries. Okay. Oh yeah. I have, I, I, I can say something really fast about that. Yeah. Um, I think Taylor and Bieber, Taylor's documentary is not like, I mean, you could argue Truth or Dare is also controlled and and image managed for its time. But Taylor creates this mock reality of what she wants you 
to perceive her as, which right. is essentially Instagram culture in the form of a pop documentary. And so is Bieber. There's a sense of intention behind it. And I think there's very raw and cathartic and emotional moments in Taylor's documentary, but I think there's a sense of control to not give away too much yeah. of that privacy, of that uncensored talk, you know, with Madonna and Truth or Dare giving a blowjob to a bottle on a bed <laughs> with her dancers. You know, it's not that level of intimate because we live in a time of image management and but also, vulnerability is something that a lot of people are always going to be skeptical of yeah. because we don't really know what authenticity is anymore. Right. Yeah. And in a time when everybody always has access to everybody's backstage and all celebs are always... Yeah, it's uh, not intimate anymore. Right. It doesn't feel intimate. It felt more curated, whereas Truth or Dare in the 90s felt like a real reveal, uh, even though Yeah, that's the baseline for reality TV, the the blueprint. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it was about Madonna and her character of caring about politics and the world and you know, it it was egotistical in a lot of ways, but it was entertaining and and interesting and for its time, for sure, because you weren't getting these insights into pop culture in the way, you know, an Ariana Grande fan could open Instagram and look at like 15 videos of her in the limo and doing all of this stuff into her personal life. Whereas back then, you know, you'd get a glimpse of Madonna on MTV, a five minute commercial, you know, culture has changed a lot in that way. Totally. Speed round. Sure. (laughs) How common is belief in magic among pop stars and celebrities that you've met? Oh, all of them. They all, they all use the moon phases to release their albums. They believe that they have magical powers. They believe that they have gifts from the upper worlds. Yeah. They're, you know, celebrities are usually very spiritual. I think Manson thinks he's like an actual God. (laughs) I really think he thinks that. Uh, what's, what, what change took you most off guard in pop culture since you've been in it? You've been super active since Blogspot, pre-Facebook, all the way to now. What didn't you see coming? Ooh, um, damn. I, I guess kind of how the fashion industry lacks so much artistic sensibility. I think when Gaga and Kanye started to televise these designers into suburban homes and and the Kardashians and Ricardo Tici and all this fashion and mainstream culture. I found it to be kind of gross and and boring. And I guess TikTok is something I didn't see coming, really. I thought we were done with that with Vine. Right. Um, uh, Oh, what young pop artists are you really excited about right now? Fuck. Hmm. Um... That's that's hard to. I mean, Billie Eilish is interesting for the archetype that she represents, like in the media that she talks about being suicidal on TV, like in the way Kurt Cobain did. And I think a lot of people resonate with her, like overexposing her depression and her traumas. And I think that's interesting because pop in the early 2010s was all about like Kesha and Nicki Minaj and Gaga and like all this party stuff. And then we stopped the party. And I think that those sad pop stars are interesting in that way, but I'm also kind of bored of that. I don't really know what young pop artists I'm excited about, honestly. Do you I think... Don't, I don't... Yeah. Can you talk about Trump's magic practice? Do you think Trump practices magic? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Melania is probably connected to some Centuria. Um, I think... <laughs> I think she's uh, Eastern European. I think, she's Slovenian. Um, Slovenian, yeah. Trump was into Kabbalah. He talks about his Kabbalah teachers in a lot of his books. No, no way. way. Yeah, look it up. He says, my Kabbalah teacher, Eitan. 
No way. Wait, we need to get Trump's Kabbalah yeah. teacher on. Dan, you can go full fedora with Trump's Kabbalah oh, yeah. teacher. A time. Yeah. You know about this guy? No, I don't. <laughs> you, but I, I also believe, I Dan, I also believe that there's like Hydra beasts and things like under the White House. So right. like, I'm well, not like good okay. for that. Yeah. Wait, what's right. a Hydra beast? I didn't get it's to like, that It's like, like a mythical beef beast. Mm. Like, a mythical beast. Like a, like, a, right. like a creature. Like I believe there's creatures, you know, like in the government. Are you, gonna, are you voting in the primary? Are you going to vote in your primary? He's Canadian. He's, He's Canadian. Canadian. I'm oh Canadian, no. Um, Alex, what uh, what magazines do you like now? Is there a future for magazines? Mm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the fashion and art magazines have a clickbait protocol. Your new favorite biracial pop star, you know, like these protocols that the young editors are really not willing to unlearn. And so we're seeing more of the world that they want to build, which is kind of artless. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't really know. I think, I don't think anyone really young reads magazines or gives a shit unless their favorite pop star posts about it as like a collectible item they can buy. Totally. But um, I wanted my position at King Kong so bad as a way to have my dream to televise certain covers that I wanted to exist in mainstream culture and on newsstands, like as pop viruses. And <laughs> then I said sayonara once I was able to do that. He got Diplo and drag. Yeah, and I love how you said that tripped you out. I told him that. It really did. So you're a zillennial. I mean, your book is written for Gen Z, right? What's your main lesson for Gen Z and hope for them? It's okay, well. It's written for members of of my gen- generation, uh, which is people in their early twenties, late teens, young teens, and everyone else. People who want an insight into the skeptic. Or if who you're wants a primer to- for magic too, yeah, sure. But they, yeah, I think well, some of the some of the extra stuff you talk about is specifically voiced to young people. Yeah, yeah. People have said that about the book, so they feel like it's written very much in the voice of someone of now who's living the world of now. What I would say to the younger generation is find out who you are off of the internet. Find out who you are without your avatar version of you. Really try to figure out a way which you can create the kind of change and be the kind of change you want to see in the world rather than complain about it on the internet. And if you're an artist, I would hope that you understand that all the success that you're seeing of the people on Instagram, it's not an overnight thing to gain the things that you want. You have to work really hard. You have to hustle. You have to realize there's not like you're going to go viral overnight. Get rid of your viral dream. Replace that with something more valuable and do something that makes you feel alive. Um, you live in Vancouver. Do you forage? What? What? With do, what? Do you, <laughs> forage, for, do you, do you forage, forage for, for like mushrooms or, or whatever? Oh, no, I'm straight edge. Because I'm an oh, no, I, mean, I mean, like, uh, edible, like, like going into the forest and foraging for like things you could cook or whatever. Oh no, I'm like very much like I eat out every day. Pop, like pop, rest- pop magic because the magic the- of the forest and like. Oh yeah, no, like- that's so cool. Yeah, maybe I'll like go pick some mushrooms for a spell or something. There you go. <laughs> I, I like where you say that uh, in regards to your message for people reading the book, the importance of how taking care of your attention span is a big part of survivalism in this decade. So, oh, a hundred percent. Like if you're going to yeah, be, and a I, I want to push for that message. If yeah. there's anything subversive in the book, I would say read the chapter. You are the Illuminati. That's my favorite part of the book. <laughs> And I think that's about getting rid of this idea that pop stars or people in power, people you see on feeds are are better than you because all they're doing is cultivating an image of power for you to respond to and to believe that they're powerful. You are as equal to your icons. You can, you can be that change you want to see in the world and accomplish whatever you want. Take back (laughs) control of your attention. I think that's, 
That's yeah. what I think magic yeah. is really and, and all just about. So, and, if we're, and if we're about to sign off, I have, um, because I have no social media, I made um, like an email that people can, who read the book or people who are listening to podcasts can write letters to me. Okay, it's, great. Um, yeah, it's fanmail at alexkazemi.com. <laughs> and you can write me, you know, if you hate me, you hate the sh- you hate anything I said on the show or any opinions, you know, any anger or, or positive things, just hit me up. And Or if you have any questions, I'm happy to write back. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Alex Kazemi's book, Alex Kazemi's book, Pop Magic, is out now. from Available in stores now. From Simon and Schulster's. Schuster. Simon and Schuster. What's the sub? The Permuted Press. Permuted. Permuted Press by Simon and Schuster. Schuster. The famous. And, you know, for people who are skeptics, you know, at least if you read this book, you'll know what people are doing when they say they're practicing magic or they're a witch. Well, you, you can write it, it from an observant point of view. All right. Great. Um, yes. Cool. And thank you for creating a new Sephiroth. <laughs> Yet to be named. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have okay. to go to Equinox in a minute because okay. okay. my train is waiting for me. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for listening to the New Models Podcast and thank you, Alex Kazemi, for joining us. We hope your book, Pop Magic, inspires a new generation of Pentagon levitators. If you are hearing this podcast the day it came out, congratulations, you're already a member of the New Models Patreon. If you are hearing it a week or two later, join us to get access to all of our podcasts, including our weekly discussion, Topsoil, and the New Models Discord channel, which holds all the mysteries of the universe. Join at patreon.com slash newmodels. See you next episode.